Okay, hear the word of the Lord from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse 12. We ask you, brothers and sisters, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Peace be with you. Good morning, everyone. So Paul is ending his letter to the Thessalonians, to these dear brothers and sisters to whom he has described his affections as that of a nursing mother and a doting father. And he concludes here with a, with a, a series of punchy final instructions. We'll look at some of them this week. We'll look at the rest of them in our last week, next week in Thessalonians. And perhaps some of you have the experience of writing a long letter, and in your conclusion you've shared some distinct closing thoughts, uh, things that you want your reader to really take with them. And Paul's conclusion here is, is anchored in his instruction, which began back in chapter 4. If you remember, Paul said essentially, he said, we want to instruct you on how you ought to walk and to please God. And over these final two chapters, we've seen how Paul fleshes that out. The church should take her sexual purity seriously. She should practice brotherly affection and sisterly affection in her work. She should grieve with hope in the face of loss and death. And she should hold fast to the faith even as worlds crumble. Paul continues in our text today concerning how the church and its leaders can nurture and pursue healthy community together. So let's go back to verse 12. We ask you, brothers and sisters, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Incidentally, Paul uses the word brother 13 times in this letter. At the very least, he wants the Thessalonians to remember that God's people are a family, that we are siblings And like a family, we are beholden to care for, to take charge of, and to look after one another. It's what what godly families do. They take responsibility for each other. So Paul begins by exhorting the Thessalonians to respect their leaders, to honor them and the labor that they perform, and to, to hold them in the highest loving regard. It's interesting to me that the word respect here, it's it's probably better translated as appreciate, but it also carries with it, the word carries with it, this sense of, of knowing. These leaders are caring for the Thessalonians in the Lord and laboring among them in the Lord and admonishing them, d- disciplining them, caring for them. And Paul says, he says, because they're laboring for your good, because they are taking the lead in your care, because they make it a point to guard you, I I urge you to know, to know them and to appreciate them 
and to appreciate their work. So this is a, this is a mutual pursuing of honoring one another, leader to member and member to leader. Now the people that Paul references are, are probably not all ordained pastors of the church. Paul most certainly has elders in mind, no question, but he's also addressing both women and men who labor in the life of the church. We won't turn there, but I really would encourage you all to go to Romans 16, read those opening chapters. I think the first 16, the, the first 16 verses rather, of chapter 16. Um, in that passage, Paul commends the work and service of a number of saints, and so I, I think that really could be giving us more of an idea of the sort of group of which Paul is thinking. In those passages, he commends Phoebe, who had been a servant and a deacon of Paul and others. He remembers Prisca and Aquila, not to be confused with Priscilla and Aquila, two different people, Prisca and Aquila, who he says risked their necks for my life. And that other churches are giving thanks for them as well. He commends Mary and Persis who work hard for the good of the saints. He shows honor to Rufus and his mother, mother whom he says has, has even been a mother to me, he says. Perhaps if Paul were writing that letter to Sojourn, he would commend the elders, Brit, Matt, Paul. He would commend the parish leaders, Peyton and Angela Ahrens, Ryan and Colleen McKnight, Tucker and Kathleen Cowie. He would commend those who lead Sojourn Kids, Kelsey Joseph and Michelle Craig and Allie Brown. Or older saints who pour into younger saints, strong saints who pour into weaker saints. By commending the leaders in the church, Paul is challenging some of the ways that we can instinctively regard the relationship between those in authority and those under authority. In the body of Christ, rather than chafing at the authority of our leaders, we are to be thankful for the care that they show, to recognize authority as a good thing that, far from weakening us, can actually make us stronger. Truly, no organization or organism can flourish without faithful leadership and without appreciation for that leadership. No garage band, no orchestra, no army, no sports team, no household, no family can do without those things. If they're both present, a healthy community will grow. Now, I know that you know this, but it, it bears repeating. Leaders in the church are not a special higher class of persons. They struggle in their lives, in their work, their relationships, their marriages, their parenting. They bear no immunity to difficulty or suffering. They are our brothers and sisters and we need to esteem them highly in love. We do this not so much because of the mere authority that's vested in the position but because we recognize the goodness and the value of the work that they do among us. The emphasis in Paul's letter here is very much on what leaders do over the, the offices that they do or do not hold. We submit in love, praying for the labors of our leaders among us 
to be fruitful, just as we recognize that they desire and pray that we are fruitful. And what this creates is not just a family that is pursuing one another's good and care, but as we live out this mutual esteem for one another, we engage in an ongoing lived repentance towards pride, self-sufficiency, flattery, self-centeredness, jealousy, worldly ambition, and the tendency to use others for our gain. And such fruit only adds to holiness and health as a community. Let's continue. Verse 14. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. So Paul gives a series of of rapid-fire imperatives to the Thessalonians. The initial imperatives imperatives of admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all, It, it might seem that they relate particularly to the work of those in leadership, but I would contend that they are the responsibility of everyone in our family here, Sojourn. The leaders may lead the way, but the entire body is involved in this work. And Paul here returns to the concern that he raised earlier in chapter 4 concerning idle members of the community that are, that are sponging off of others. They should be admonished. They should be taught to be self-sufficient. Those whose hearts were failing them were to be encouraged, probably by focusing on, on being reminded of the future coming of Christ. The weak were to be helped as they had need. And so the vision here really is of a congregation in which people and their leaders know one another and are very attentive to one another, recognizing and ministering to the various needs of people in different situations. Practically speaking, Sojourn, how we minister to one another depends in part on the, on the person to whom we are ministering. A person in mourning doesn't need to be admonished. They most likely need someone to join them in their mourning. A person who is suffering from a degenerative, degenerative disease doesn't only need encouragement, they, they need physical help. A person who's taking advantage of their fellow brother or sister probably doesn't need to be helped as much as they need to be corrected. Now, for sure, Paul is not saying that there are three categories of people and there are three ways to minister to them. What we should really take from this is that we need wisdom when it comes to how we can shepherd one another generatively in any state. It will depend on the person and it will depend on the situation. Thankfully, we are not on our own in this. We have the Spirit of God given to us. We have His counsel. We have prayer, and we have one another. God has given us great resources in our endeavor to minister to one another. The Thessalonians are also warned against repaying evil for evil, and as Christians, we, we, we must take this very seriously. 
We must reject the way of retribution and revenge. Rather than reacting to one another and sowing evil, we must seek to do good. We aren't merely to refrain from evil, but positively seek out creative and appropriate ways in which we can do good. And I'm sure I don't have to tell you that in our current world, this is absolutely foreign. This is not what our world is doing, but it is what God's people are to do. We might be reminded of Jesus' teaching concerning the fulfillment of the law in the Sermon on the Mount. As Jesus taught, the law is fulfilled in proactive and transformative love, not merely in just the avoidance of sin, but in the presence of good, in the presence of good works. So what good can we enact in the life of one another, in the, in the lives of our fellow saints, in the lives of our neighbors and coworkers? What good can we pursue? What good can you give to your neighbor this week that might injure the evil in the world? Finally, Paul tells the Thessalonians to show patience with all. The word for patience here means long-suffering, and I, I think that's important because sometimes when we hear patience, we think, oh, that means do nothing. That means just wait passively. But no, this is not the equivalent of doing nothing. This patience is active. Like I mentioned a number of weeks ago, our patience is like the farmer who works every day knowing that a harvest is not guaranteed, but he continues to seed, water, and wait as he prays for rain. We should be working with the patience of a farmer, diligent, patient, and trusting. And it's very important because patience is one virtue whose absence makes it difficult to practice any of the others. If we don't, if we don't have patience as a community, help is difficult, encouragement is difficult, admonishment is difficult. Without patience, our help for the weak can become reluctance. Our encouragement can become exhaustion. Our admonishment can turn to indifference. Now here's a huge spoiler. People are difficult. I'm difficult. We, we are difficult. You are difficult. <laughs> I just want to encourage you. We can be resistant to correction. We can be resistant to warning. We can be unresponsive to encouragement, and our efforts to help one another can sometimes seem futile and fruitless. But it's only with a loving patience that we will persevere with each other to create a holy and healthy community. So we must minister to and nurture each other in these ways. But how are we able to do this? How can we do this? Let's, back, let's look back at verse 13. Be at peace among yourselves. This letter to the Philippians, in his letter to the Philippians, Paul tells the saints that because of Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and ascension, 
They not only have the peace of God, they also have the God of peace. God has brought us, Sojourn, into peace by the sacrifice of his son. And through that, we can inhabit this peace together. In fact, we practice inhabiting this peace every Sunday when we share the peace of Christ with one another. Far from just a time when we greet guests or say good morning to one another, we are rehearsing the reality that through the Son, we are at peace with the Father, and with the Father and Son, we are at peace with one another by His Spirit. Christ is our forever peace offering, and because of that, we have everything that we need to pursue a holy and healthy community life together. It's really by this peace, by inhabiting this peace together, that our leaders can gladly serve the saints, gladly pour their lives out for the good of others, and the saints can gladly appreciate their leaders. It's by this peace that we can forsake pride and jealousy and ungodly ambition and seek to do good to one another. It's by this peace that we can admonish the unruly. We can encourage the brokenhearted and we can give help to all those who are weak. It's by that peace that we can trust our king to sustain us in all of this work. Because Christ does these very things with us and he promises to provide his peace and patience, all the peace and patience necessary to do all that he asks of his people. And so with that great truth in mind, let us join together in prayer and ask for his provision and to aid our efforts as a community. Holy and gracious God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Lord, for this text this morning. Lord, as we consider, Lord, our life as a community, one in which leaders gladly serve the good of the body, and where the body gladly esteems its leaders in love. Lord, what a, what, a, what, a wonderful, what a wonderful calling, what a high calling, what a godly calling. Lord, in the face of that, we remember our sin and we remember our tendency for our hearts to wander, for our hearts to grow cold to you and subsequently to one another. So Lord, we pray that you would help us to behold Jesus again this morning as the one who provides all the peace and patience, and care, and provision, Lord, that actually frees us up to be glad to pour out our lives as a drink offering. Lord, would you create more and more this kind of healthy, holy community here where leaders are eager to serve the good and members are quick to esteem Lord, where we might, Lord, minister to one another where each of us are, and that you would give us great wisdom to know when to give the right counsel at the right time.
when to admonish, when to encourage, when to help. Lord, we need you. We love you. We look to you. And we ask all of these things in your name. Amen.